0: I want to welcome all of you this morning here in the house, Logos, those on YouTube and Facebook. Nice to have you with us this morning. We are continuing our little mini-series that I felt I needed to share with all of you after I finished the book of Revelation and our daily devotions. Reason being is the urgency of the hour in which we live in. And I realized as I was sharing the word of God, Uh, how uh, I see today how Bible prophecy is just unfolding before our very eyes almost daily it's absolutely incredible and the Bible's become so alive and I wanted to share some thoughts with you so if you brought your Bibles we are in Revelation chapter 20 we'll do one more session next week Lord willing Revelation chapter 20 We'll begin at verse number 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having a key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him, notice please, for a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should not deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed, for a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded, for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Jesus a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first. Notice the first resurrection. And such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are the four quarters of the earth Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle this is the battle of Armageddon the number of whom is at the sand of the sea and they went up the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and beloved city and the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented. Tormented, did you see that? Day and night, forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God in the books. Notice the books is plural. This is not a book. The books. Every word is important. Every syllable is important. The books were opened. And another book, so we come from the plural to the singular, was opened. This one is the book of life. So there must be more than the book of life. We'll be talking about that. And the dead were judged out of these things which were written in, now we come back to the books, according to what? Their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged. Here we go again, twice. Every man according to their works. We can stop right there. We have one of the most powerful texts in the entire book of Revelation and for that matter the entire word of God have entitled this message simply The Day of No Return. The Day of No Return. Now, every year around this time of the year Christmas time, we love to sing that very well-known Christmas carol, we call it. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive. We love that hymn and we sing it. I've heard uh, Elaine sing it many times. We love that hymn, but the truth is that this was never intended as a Christmas hymn. Isaac Watts wrote this hymn. He wrote it really to sing and to anticipate the golden age of Christ's coming to rule and reign during the millennial period so this hymn that we sing during Christmas was not intended to be a Christmas carol but a worship song, a worship hymn concerning Christ's rule and reign during the millennial period we want to focus in on that in fact today we have two themes that I want to tackle I want to tackle about the millennial period, what it is, what it is not. There's a lot of confusion concerning that. And then I want to focus, I'll, I'll give more time to focus in on the great white throne judgment. So we're going to have a two-fold message this morning. I might be about 35 seconds longer than I normally am. And everyone said? Amen. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if you say amen when I, uh, when I take the 35 seconds. <laughs> Uh-huh when I start when I see you looking at your watches and saying pastor don't you know I got I got I got a chicken in or roasting okay all right all right I want you to notice verse number 4 in our text the bible speaks of this word this term millennial period in the greek it means a thousand million French a thousand a thousand years. John mentions it over six times, and so because it 's mentioned over six times, obviously it speaks of the significance of this thousand year period, this thousand year reign. when will this thousand year reign occur? What does this mean for you and me? How do we break this down? Well there's three views, very quickly, there's the post-millennial period, these are believers, Christians, scholars, who believe that the church will usher in this millennial period, that the church, due to its holiness, and its the way it lives as the salt of the earth, will usher in this thousand year reign. Well that view was debunked over and over again because we know that the church is not going to usher in, the church is not getting any cold any better. In fact, it was getting worse and worse. The tribulation period is going to reach an apex of debauchery and barbarity. And these people believe that somehow the church is going to clean up the world before the coming of the Lord. Well, that's not true because the world is not going to get any better. It's going to get worse before the coming of the Lord. So we can't accept this view. The next view is the amillennialist view, the ah meaning no, these are believers who do not believe that there will be a thousand year reign, we have to debunk that and say how can that be, the Bible is very clear, it speaks of a thousand year period, so I don't know how they can come to this conclusion, but we believe in the premillennial period, and what this view means, is that, that Jesus will return prior, just before the thousand years, and I wish I had a diagram, I don't have a diagram, but when you look at Bible prophecy and the prophetic calendar, I want you to see and notice that the Bible is very clear, that when Jesus came to the earth, born in a manger, after that period of time, when he died and rose again, the church age was born, the church age began, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the church age began in the book of Acts, the Spirit of God came upon the church, filled the church, the church for, began to preach the gospel, we are still living in the church age, this age continues, when Jesus comes back to rapture the church, which I believe is very soon, will end the church age, the church will be in heaven, at that moment, it will trigger the seven-year tribulation, the church is in heaven, I repeat, the church will not go through the tribulation, the church will not go through the tribulation, there will be seven years of tribulation upon the earth, during those seven years, the antichrist will rule, the antichrist will reign, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists will proclaim the gospel, this is where the two witnesses begin to preach, and many signs and wonders will occur, thousands of people will be getting saved of all nations, primarily Jews, this is Word that nation of Israel will get saved according to Romans 10, the nation of Israel will finally get saved. God will not break His covenant. He made a covenant. It is during the tribulation period where the Jews will realize they rejected their Messiah and they will come to know Christ. And many will die for their faith. This is where the mark of the beast 666 will be issued upon your head or your forehead. And if you deny this, you'll be saved, but you'll probably be beheaded. As we just read, and you'll be ushered. Of course, you'll be going into heaven. But this is where tribulations will rise and reach an apex all kinds of travesty calamity it will be a calamitous situation all hell will break loose during the seven year tribulations all the plagues will be released that we just read in Revelation 5 the four horsemen of the apocalypse will be riding death, decay will be everywhere the Jews will suffer much but the Jews will come to recognize their Messiah the Antichrist will reign he'll demand to be worshipped in the temple that will be rebuilt that is in the process of being built as we speak the true colors of the Antichrist will surface he will gather armies to fight against God which he's always wanted to do even back in Ezekiel and Isaiah he was cast out of heaven because he wanted to be an equal with God and he hasn't stopped wanting to be equal with God he will muster armies. He will possess the Antichrist, literally. The Antichrist will have all kinds of power, signs. He will be eloquent. He'll be just as versed in religion as he is in politics. And you'll find the Antichrist having a political and religious connection. Hence we have Mystery Babylon in Revelation 17. The Antichrist will rule the church and will rule the governments. He'll come upon the scene giving his declaration that I have the answer to world peace. He'll start changing the commandments of God. And we know what's happening recently in the news with the Pope and what he's trying to do. People will flock to the Antichrist because they see something in him that's different. He will deceive myriads and myriads of people. And there'll be a battle that will culminate after the second seven years in the valley of Jehoshaphat that we visited years ago when we went to Israel that Lord willing we're going to visit again this May there'll be a great battle a battle that that has never been seen before a battle of battles where the Bible says the blood of those that are being killed during this battle, will be so vast, so large, it's almost unconscionable to imagine, for 180 miles, this blood will flow, up to the horse's bit, it will be about this high, it's hard to even imagine, be like a pool, literally an ocean of blood, a lake of blood, hard to even grasp, what devastation, It will make World War II look like a a little church brawl after the service and not necessarily a brawl but a little argument. That's what it's going to look like. This will be a war that can hardly be described. We discussed this the other day. It's very hard to describe this war. But it will be led by the Antichrist and Jesus will come back with with the church. Remember now, when John saw a vision in Revelation chapter 4 he saw the heavens open as the church ascended and was raptured and then the Bible says John sees another vision. vision this time he sees the heavens open but the church is coming back so the first time the church was going in now the church is coming back with Jesus to fight in this battle of Armageddon but the church won't do anything there's no power in the church by itself, the church won't be literally fighting this war, the Bible tells us they'll be wearing white robes, have you ever seen anybody go into a battle with a white robe, there's not going to be any fighting going on, all that Jesus is going to say, he's just going to speak the word, and the enemies will fall, after the battle of Armageddon, is when this thousand year reign begins, Many have asked me, Pastor, well, what does it mean when Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away? Heaven and earth? Will earth pass away? No, no, earth will be revamped. Earth will be renovated. Earth will never pass away completely. And so will heaven. But how does heaven get revamped? How does heaven get... How, how in the... Well, we're going to discuss that next week, where we find the New Jerusalem. 1,500 miles one way, 1,500 miles the other way. It's called the Four Square City heaven will be revamped as well. So there will be a new heaven and a new earth. When the thousand year reign takes place, this is where the new earth, the earth will change. We'll be discussing it. Something's going to change completely during this time. And so, we need to ask ourselves, why do we need the millennial period? Why does the Bible speak of this millennial period? Well, I gave you a very brief introduction, but there's many reasons and the first reason is it becomes a reward system for people who have followed God and were faithful to the Lord and we see this throughout the bible Isaiah chapter 40 Matthew chapter 5 Matthew 16:27 Colossians 3 Revelation 22:12 and Matthew 25:35 maybe you can give me Revelation 22:12 please and here we see that we're going to be rewarded for our works and behold I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be Everywhere you see in scripture, according to your works, we see this in Matthew chapter 512, in Matthew 1627, Matthew 2534. If you want to give me another scripture, that'd be nice. We are going to be rewarded for how we live here on earth. Do you see how important this is? How important it is that we live a certain way. And I, I, I can't believe how many people have come to me over the years now. Well, pastor, you know, I, I see this and this bothers me. And, and I don't know why this he does this. I don't know why she, he's supposed to be a Christian. And somehow we allow people's conduct to affect how we live. It's got, well, Listen, when we face God, we have no excuses. We can't say, well, pastor, uh, oh, well, sorry, Lord Jesus, you know. But did you, you, you see the board member? He was doing this. And my brother was doing that. It, it will mean nothing when you face God will you please learn to stop justifying how you live now by how somebody else lives just stop it because if you do that at the end of the day you're the one that's going to suffer you got to live your life before God it's always to the audience of one forget about what's around you it's you and God that matters The millennial period will be issued rewards for how we lived here on earth. Thank you. F- oh, thank you, George. You got it for me. And so here we are the cross, Jesus, the church age begins, the rapture. I believe we're right here. And I mean this sincerely. Once the rapture takes place, two events take place in heaven the marriage supper of the Lamb, where Christians will be judged for their works. That's the Bema seat. Second Corinthians chapter five, First Corinthians chapter three, and as the marriage supper of rejoicing and praise goes on in heaven, tribulation is taking place on earth. You see, it's always the opposite. See, always the extreme. We got jubilation in heaven, but we got absolute travesty and calamity. Seven years. It's written three and a half, three and a half, because during the three and a half period, the antichrist will demand to be worshipped right here in the temple that's when his true colors come out, all hell will break loose primarily here, during the last three and a half, and this will be the harshest tribulation, and this is when Jesus comes back with his church, once that happens, we have the millennial period, Satan will be bound, will be released, for a period of time the Bible says, people say, well why why would he be released to torment the nations, because it wouldn't be fair, if everyone's been tempted and tested all these years, but these people won't, there's still going to be human beings living on earth and they're still going to have free will of choice and all of us are going to be tempted and tried that's just how it is that's the reality of it and after he's released he'll be bound for a cast in chains and in the lake of fire for all of eternity as satan is going to be bound in the lake of fire with all of his imps and cohorts we the church Uh, the tribes of Israel, those who are believers, who've come to God during the tribulation period, before the tribulation period, and the church will all gather together in a place called the New Jerusalem. And that's where we will spend eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. And so the millennial period is given as a reward system according to your works. That's my first R, my second R. Then this kingdom is necessary in response to the disciples' prayer. What prayer? Remember, Jesus taught us how to pray. To give us this day our daily bread. Then what did he say? Into temptation. Yeah, we know that. But what did, what did he say? Concerning heaven and earth. Thy kingdom come. Yes. As it is in? Yes. Well, let me ask you something. Is heaven on earth right now? Yes. No, he's not. Dino. no. Please, keep it down. Heaven is not on earth. Now, what is on earth, we are the salt of the earth. But do you think heaven and earth are paralleled right now? Do you think, you think what is going on on earth is what's going on in heaven? No. So how can some of you say, yes, heaven's on earth? Well, we're not even remotely close to what's going on in heaven. you think what's going on on earth is what's going on in heaven? But there's no sin in heaven. How how can we say, yeah, yeah, heaven's like earth? Excuse me? Heaven will be like earth when earth changes. (laughs) And that's going to happen during the millennial period and we're going to find to see the characteristics of the millennial period in a few moments. There's going to be change on earth. Earth is going to be revamped. What goes on on earth will change. It's not going to be like it is now. So so the millennial period is very important because this will be a change and really It's exactly what we need to pray for. Lord, will you come again? Lord, it's like when we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We're praying for this too. Lord, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we're praying, this is an answer to this prayer where God is not only going to bring peace to Jerusalem. When we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, we all know that it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen later on. But we're still supposed to pray for it, aren't we? So it is with this. The millennial period is an answer to prayer that will take place after the battle of Armageddon. It's his answer. Number three, the millennial period is important in order to redeem creation, to redeem this earth. When Adam sinned, what happened? Not only did we inherit his sin, he had to now start working and he began to sweat from labor and, and physically things began to change. But also the Bible says that creation was cursed. Creation became cursed as a result of this. Paul said in Romans 8, All creation waiteth patiently, travailing and groaning, 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 to be recreated, to change. Well, what, And that will take place during the millennial period. Heaven and earth becoming one. And so, and so here in the millennium, the curse will be lifted. Something's going to change and we're going to find out what is exactly going to change in a few moments. But the earth is going to change completely. It's not going to be like we see it today. It's going to completely have a metamorphosis. And without this hope and belief, the world has no hope. Without the words of Christ, we are in serious trouble. If I didn't believe in what Jesus said, Paul said it too, he said it primarily, didn't he? I'd be most miserable. I, I, I don't understand how people can live in this world without having this kind of hope. It baffles me. How someone cannot believe in the coming of the Lord, in the truth of God's word and so what are going to be the characteristics of the millennial period I don't want to spend too much time on this because my focus is the great white throne judgment but very quickly principles that begin with P first of all will be a time of peace Isaiah 6 11 6 to 9 Micah chapter 4 verses 2 and 3 speaks of nation never fighting against nation it's where the wolf will lie with the lamb where animals will change their dispositions if you will everything's going to change there will be no violence on earth no more violence on earth There'll be peace. The world will be unified under Christ. Number two, a time of prosperity and blessing, economic abundance, no wants. Isaiah 35 verses 1 to 10 tells us this. There'll be continuous blessing. Number three, a time of purity. Isaiah 35:8, Isaiah 66:2 and 3, uh, Isaiah 25:9, purity, holiness. Zechariah thirteen two tells us that that the words will be uh, that like f- f- there, there won't be any heresies, there won't be any false teaching during this time. Jesus will be our light. Yep. Unity under Christ. No divisions, peace and joy and purity. Number four, a time of perpetual health. Isaiah sixty five, twenty to twenty two perpetual health no death no tears God will wipe away that no 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 no. Somehow we're going to have bodies. Although there's a time that we're still going to be. Some people will be judged. Those that are born during the millennial period, they're going to they're going to be tested as well. But but the bottom line is we're going to change too physically. Something's going to take place in our lives that are completely different. It's going to be as you will. As many have said, it's going to be like it was before the flood, where people lived a long time. A time like Methuselah, who lived up to 960 some odd years we're going to change as well there's going to be a transformation in creation even in our humanity it's going to be like those early days number 5, oh by the way that's the chorus that we sing soon and very soon we are going to see the king soon and very soon we're no more dying there we are going no more crying there we, they're getting this song from this particular period of time the millennial period perpetual health then perpetual joy personal joy Isaiah 12.3, Isaiah 9.3-4 Isaiah 14.78 and Isaiah 7.28 then Isaiah 25.8-9 some personal joy that characterizes the kingdom of God doesn't it? Joy, a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory you'll be walking in this perpetual joy a key ingredient in knowing God and so, who's going to be there? of course Jesus will reign, but he will have also a vice-regent David, how many times do we see in the Old Testament, David's name written as the king, this this eternal king somehow, or perpetual king, now he's not eternal, Jesus is eternal but, but somehow David is part of this equation, he was to rule with Jesus and we see this in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 8 and 9, this is very important, Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 8 and 9, for it shall come to pass in that day, this is future, that the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke off the neck and burn my bonds and strangers shall no more save themselves of him. Keep going to verse ten, I believe. Verse nine. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up to them. What? So in the first eight, it says on that day. What day? During the millennial period, where David would be like a vice regent to Jesus. He will rule with him. We see this in Revelation three seven, the keys of David. Jesus come. So, so why would David's name be mentioned with Jesus? Because David will reign with him as king. It's hard to imagine. But that's what's going to happen. Very clearly. Hosea 3.5 speaks of this. David is, is king under Jesus, if you will. King under Jesus. And we see this in Revelation also, 21.6. And so, we come to another scripture. First Peter. 1st Peter chapter 1 verses 10 to 12 this is more like a bible study this morning but I want to make sure we all understand this of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied so there was a time where these prophets they prophesied about something of the grace that should come to you so there's something gonna happen In the future, a certain grace, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. What glory that should follow? We see Jesus suffered, but there's a glory that will follow. A glory that will follow. In one phrase, it spans a thousand years. That's going between the first coming in Bethlehem and when he comes again in all of his glory after the battle of Armageddon. For a thousand years, Jesus will reign when you speak of his glory you speak of this time where jesus will reign where satan will be bound he's coming back as a lion of judah he's not coming back as a lamb that was taken care of on the cross when jesus comes back again he's coming back to fight this battle it's the militant jesus it's the messiah that the jews were originally waiting for they thought that the messiah would come and wipe out the romans physically they were wrong they didn't understand the messiahship the lambship of god that he had to come as a suffering servant to save us from our when his blood was shed on the cross they didn't understand that, they didn't comprehend it they wanted to come as a lion but he's coming as a lion and he will wipe out the enemy physically, you see what he did the first time is he brought deliverance spiritually, but when he comes a second time he's bringing deliverance physically physically and so we see that this will be a thousand years of bliss and euphoria joy, perpetual health, peace that will take place after the battle of Armageddon after and so as we continue we see a shift in verse number 7 and 8 in Revelation 20 let's look at our text again Revelation 20 notice there's a shifting going on I, I went quickly through the millennial period because as I mentioned, I want to focus on the great white throne judgment. If you have any questions concerning the millennial period, I would be gladly uh, i would talk with you and share with you and give you more detail. But for time's sake, I have to continue here. And I want you to notice what it says in verse 7, 8 and verse 11. It says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are for four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The sea, from the sand of the sea. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. The great white throne judgment. The great white throne. What is it? Now, so we come to this incredible shift. This incredible time. This incredible event. The great white throne judgment. why I've titled this message the day of no return what do I mean by that in our text we see a courtroom experience that exceedingly far exceeds far exceeds any other courtroom you've ever seen different than anything you might even know or perceive there will be a judge but no jury there's been no lawyers to bail you out no clever attorneys try to find a loophole in the system to bail you out. This is not a human trial. This is not a human court system. There'll be a sentence but no appeal. Can't appeal the sentence. There'll be no benefits given extra benefits or lenience to anyone because being politically correct doesn't exist in heaven. There'll be a sentence, but no appeal. And at this judgment, there'll be sinners standing before a just and holy God to give an account of their lives. Again, just in one text, you've seen it twice, they will give an account of how they lived. There's a teaching today where they don't believe that. No account for how you live. They'll tell you something like this. Well, you know, Pastor, when Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they say on the cross, that's exactly what he meant. Forgive them. Doesn't matter what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They're forgiven. So everybody's forgiven of their sins. Doesn't matter what they do. Doesn't matter if you're a Hitler. Doesn't matter if you're a plumber, a preacher, a politician. It makes no difference whether you killed a thousand people, whether you're Mother Teresa. It doesn't matter. You're all forgiven not according to the bible they will give an account for their works how you lived an account an account now I gotta pause because we don't want to confuse the judgment seat of christ with this great throne judgment now as I mentioned earlier when the church is raptured the christians are going up okay and there's two events going to take place in heaven the judgment for believers the judgment seat of Christ that's not for salvation you're saved those are for works your works and that's where the Bible speaks of some will be given 10 you know, crowns 20 crowns 5 crowns some works will be burned up because, because they didn't do it with a proper motive First Corinthians chapter 3 they didn't do it with a proper motive Some works will burn up like hay, wood, and stubble. But others will be refined. Others will be cherished and precious like stones and gold and silver. Those works will not be burned up. You'll be rewarded for that. But then this is an interesting word. But they shall be saved. Saved. So despite the fact that your works were not so good, you're saved. Why? Because it's a judgment seat of believers. So you're not condemned. You're just going to be judged by the works that you've done. This has nothing to do with salvation. Are y'all with me so far? That's one judgment seat for believers, for you and me. But then after the rapture, also there'll be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where there'll be rejoicing. Where Jesus said, I go prepare for this and I'm coming back to get you. This was all in the context of the ancient Jewish wedding celebration. Where the bride meets the groom. And we celebrate for seven years. The ancient Jewish wedding celebration, they celebrated that time for seven days. So here we see seven years of celebration. And during that time all hell will break loose. Then we have the millennial period. And then after that the great white throne judgment where the dead will be judged. You see folks, we as believers die once. Unbelievers die twice. We die once physically. But we don't die spiritually a terrible thing to die twice it's the worst thing because the second death speaks of spiritual death and that's the worst death imaginable so you must not confuse the judgment seat of christ with the great white throne judgment notice in verse number 12 the dead great and small were judged in our text did you see that verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great stand before God, the books were opened, and another book was opened which was uh, uh, the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written according to their works why are you preaching works again pastor, I'm not preaching works for salvation you can't earn your salvation I'm preaching works after your salvation yes I am, you better believe it you shall know them by their fruits, What? It? that's works that's works what you do. You're not saved by doing, you can earn your salvation, but once you're saved there's something that you're called to do. Faith without works is dead. If I'm a Christian, I'm called to be busy. If I'm a Christian, I'm called to bear fruit. Not just fruit, much, but much fruit. Hereby is my Father glorified, that ye bear much why would Jesus put an emphasis on much? because we're called to be doers and so I saw the dead and the great, the small this is the second resurrection but the second death no one who is a believer will stand at this great white throne judgment only unbelievers, please underscore this only unbelievers now in order to understand the great white throne judgment I need to share some thoughts with you. I want to break it down. As I said, I'm going to focus on this this morning more so than the millennial. Again, if you have any questions about the millennial period, I'll be glad to answer after the service or sometime during the week. Notice verse 11. The Bible says here that he sees this great throne, but, but we need to ask, where is this place? I'm going to give you some principles that begin with P. Where is this place, this great white throne judgment? Well, it's confusing we don't know where exactly it is, and, and we, you know, there's no evidence exactly where it might be, there's just some thoughts some scholars say, well, you know, it, it can't take place on earth, and that's obvious it can't take place on earth, because uh, God. we don't see any judgment where God comes to judge on the earth we're going to be judged by how we lived on earth but that judgment process does not take place on earth secondly many believe it cannot take place in heaven and I'm one for sure it can't take place in heaven because in heaven no sin inherits heaven you there's no sin in, so you can't find these people in heaven so they can be judged So it, this great white throne judgment cannot be in heaven it cannot be on earth so some believe, and again this is just theory I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know because it's not clear I'm not going to stand here and tell you exactly because I don't know But what some scholars believe, it's somewhere between heaven and earth. That's what they say, and you know what, it's very possible that that's exactly where it is. I do not know. But there's definitely a place where this judgment will take place. Definitely a location of sorts. And some believe it's before the, before the heaven. Before the heavens... Are... So there's a place where this judgment takes place. Number two, I want you to notice the person. Who's going to be there? Of course, Jesus is the focal point of everything. He's the only one who's worthy. I read chapter 5 of Revelation. We just read it. Who's worthy? There's weeping. No one's worthy to open this book. Ah, one elder. say, Yes, there's one who's worthy. Jesus is worthy. The whole book of Revelation is focused on Jesus. The Lamb and the lion, the lamb, and the lion, the book of revelation, continually speaks, of Jesus as the lamb, because, because we don't want ever, to forget, what he did for us, on the cross, but the bible also speaks, of, a, of his lionhood, the fact that he's coming, triumphant, to destroy the works, of the enemy physically, once and for all, he is the one it's always about Jesus and let me tell you something your life listen listen, this is how I know you're bearing fruit are you ready? this is how I know my friends that you are truly bearing fruit how do I know that you're bearing fruit? when you point people to Jesus and people are being touched because of your life you're bearing fruit when people see Jesus really see you're bearing fruit what do people see in you? I'm not saying that they see you going to church. Anybody can go to church. Okay? The devil goes to church too sometimes. He does. Oh, he does. Uh What do people see in you? Is there a saltiness about you? Do you create thirst in the lives of people? Oh, what is it about Melissa? it's It's not just because she can sing well. A lot of good singers, but there's no Jesus. What is it about Gloria? What is it? pointing to jesus jesus is the focal point and he's the one who judges there's no one more qualified than him john chapter 5 please verses 22 to 27 notice what jesus said i'm in the book of john in my daily devotions it's amazing how this book speaks about the deity of christ and there's people out there who are confused about jesus being god read the book of john it's with scripture speaking of his deity for the father judges no one but hath committed all judgment to what well what does that mean (laughs) Jewish tradition will tell you only God can judge well they're right God is the judge and what Jesus is the judge keep going that all men should honor the son even as they honor the father if that's not a, a a scripture on deity I don't know what is even as they honor the Father he that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which sent me wow I'm one with the Father John 10:30. The same substance so all judgment belongs to Jesus he's our judge he's the one that's gonna stand with the, with the book of life in his hand so we have the place again I confess to you I don't know exactly where this place is but we have a place Number two, we have a person. I can emphatically tell you, that person is Jesus. But then there's a people. People at this judgment. Notice verse 11 and 13. It says, great and small. This occurs five times in the book of Revelation. In other words, the book of Revelation, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying, I don't care how big you are. I don't care how great you are. I don't care if you got an IQ of of Einstein or if you got an IQ of of some of the apostles that were called ignorant men. Great or small, it doesn't matter if you're working as some helper somewhere, which is nothing wrong with that, in some restaurant, wonderful job. Or if you're a busboy, great job, doesn't matter. Or if you're a CEO of a big famous bank, makes no difference. I saw the dead, small and great. Listen, your CEO abilities won't get you out of hell. Your money can't get you out of hell. What profits a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his own soul? My God. How many people spend all their time trying to make money? I tell you, they'll make their money, but that money won't get them out of hell. great and small doesn't matter if you reject Christ whether you're great or small you will face him It's no one will be able to make a plea for you and God is not a respecter of persons and he will judge notice seven and eight we have a clear picture Revelation 21 are you ready for something even clearer? Look at Revelation 21, 7 to 8. Oh my goodness. Watch this now. Watch this. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. But, but, here's the contrast. He that is fearful, unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, wow, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, called the second. There's preachers today, they don't preach hell anymore. They're scared. to. They don't want to offend people. Oh, there's no hell. Oh, they'll talk about heaven, but they won't talk about hell. Why would you, if you're a leader or a teacher, why would you not want to let people know about the most important thing about your destiny and future? That if I went to the doctor, listen, if I went to the doctor and he examined me, Oh, you got great eyes! Wonderful. Your knees are good. You can walk well. Well, I can't walk well, but uh, you you got. You're looking good. You got this. Your your heart's good. Your lungs are good. Your your liver's good. Your skin's good. Your back's good. Your knees are good. Your joints are good, but you've got cancer. (laughs) Who cares for my knees? (laughs) I got cancer there are preachers today they preach that you got good knees your heart is good but they forget to tell you that there's a cancer coming and that you might have cancer and this is the way to get healed a preacher who really cares a Christian who really cares about people will tell them that there's a heaven but that there's a hell but pastor it's offensive Jesus offended everybody. Do you know he offended everybody? You want to hear my daily devotions when I preached on Friday, when Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? Yeah. You got to eat of my body and drink of my blood? Excuse me? And the Bible says that many of them followed him no more after he said that. Of course, it offended them. if you're a Christian my friend and you only speak of heaven you're doing a terrible misjustice but if you just want to get a big church and a big gathering and a lot of people and then, then all they're going to want to know is the good things then that's all you're going to preach about the good things and you'll get a lot of people because people don't want to hear about the truth you see in this judgment the trial is over judgment is passed the only thing left are the words from the judge there's no debate none none you have the place, the person, the people, what's the purpose? verse 12 the books were open, and the dead were judged according to their works that's the purpose, according to the works, they were judged this is not the church, these are the unbelievers notice the books are plural, did you see that? now we're gonna go for a nice little journey we're gonna go for a little spiritual safari because, do you remember I said to you earlier they were written in the books the books, so that's plural now why are there books and then I saw the dead small and great books were opened another here it is now and another book open so we see now there are many books but there was one book that was open so we see books and one book book so we see a plurality what does the Bible speak of different books absolutely do you know there's many books in the Bible that God records our actions you might say, "Now wait a minute! Now you're really reading into the scriptures." I'm not. I'm going to show you where the Bible speaks that God records certain activities in our lives. Now, before you run out of the church, hold on to your hats, fasten your seatbelts. Then, then if you want to run out, you go ahead. But listen first. First, we have the book of conscience, our conscience. God's given us a conscience for a reason. The problem is, when you sear it, then we we, we get into some serious trouble. The book of conscience is found in Romans 2.15. This suggests that the possibility that this book is opened to see if we would follow our conscience. God has given us a conscience, and so in the spirit realm, it could be the Holy Spirit giving us the conviction of following certain things. And Paul tells us in Timothy that people have seared their conscience through disobedience. You know, you you might do something, but if you keep doing something that's wrong, you might think it's wrong in the beginning, but you do it so much, it doesn't become wrong anymore, and you begin to believe your own lies. That is just unbelievable, that you begin to believe your own lies, because your conscience has been seared. That's why it's important if you feel conviction, stop it, run from it because if you don't, your conscience gets a little harder the next time, a little darker, a little stronger, a little more difficult to say no. The book of the law in your heart, scholars look at that as a conscience speaking, the spirit of God speaking to you. The book of conscience. Number two, the book of words. Here's a big one. Matthew 12, 36. Idle words. You got to give an account for every idle word. What account? In this book. book God has a book of these, of these words. Look what it says. By i saying to you that every idle word. The word idle means empty. Okay? The Greek speaks of emptiness. So you just speak empty words. They don't mean anything. just empty idle words that men shall speak they will give account on the day of judgment the book of words how we speak to each other that's a t- that's probably the most difficult because especially for those who who are more extroverted you know it's it, you know who talk a lot there's a lot of people who just talk more every in a conversation it's always one way just that person's always talking see that person's going to be and be careful because they're going to give an account of what they said because usually if you speak a lot you might have to repent a lot too. I've been doing a lot of repenting. <laughs> but you follow what I'm saying? No, but it's the truth. You can give an account of what you say. So if you said something wrong to your wife or your husband, or sorry, honey, sorry. You know, you need to deal with it right away. It's not easy, but you're going to give an account for that. God will judge every idle word, empty word. Number three, the book of secret works. Here's a good one. The book of secret words. Remember How many times have you heard me say it? I keep saying it all the time. The secret of being a saint is what? Being a saint in what? The secret of being a saint is what? The secret of being a saint is being a saint in secret. If you're a saint in secret, you won't have anything to worry about on the day of judgment. You got any closets? That are filled with skeletons and nobody knows of, you're going to have a lot to be accountable. Oh, nobody's looking at you. That's fine. God is. Ecclesiastes chapter twelve verse fourteen. Let us—I could quote this myself. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments. For God will bring into judgment every secret thing, whether it be good. How is God going to bring it? He's got a book. He's got a book of secret works. A book. Whether it be good. See, so there's... God will, be judge you, will judge you for good things too, and then you'll get your rewards. But you know, friends, what this is? This is based on motive. Because some works that look good, God is weeping, and God will judge you because you did it to be seen of men see but God knows the secrets the hearts so we have got to ask ourselves why do we do the things that we do I repeat why do we do the things that we do why do you want to sing here why do you want to play why do you want to preach why do you want to be a board member why do you want why if the motive is pure God will bless you but if the motive is not Why do you think James says that teachers will be condemned even more? Because teachers, those in leadership, politicians need to ask, why am I a politician? Why am I a leader? Why do I do the things that I do? D.L. Moody, I love him, said, if a man can take a picture of the human heart, he would never want it to be developed. Why does he say that? Because the Bible says that. Jeremiah chapter 17. I've been saying this for the last few weeks. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You're, listen friends. I'm not, I'm not a good guy. Nor are you. By nature, we are corrupt by nature. Now, can you imagine having these preachers preach this message in their big churches? They, they wouldn't even dream of it. <gasps> Because it doesn't attract people. That's not a message that makes me feel good, Pastor. I'm sorry. My heart is wicked. That's why I need a Savior. That's why I need to follow Christ. That's why I need to repent of my sins. And now there's a new teaching going on from these progressive Christians who believe that Christians don't need to repent because we are positionally saved with Christ and that's all that happened because he said forgive them for they know not what they do. So you don't need to forgive. You don't need to repent. You're okay. Excuse me. Can you believe... Friends, it's getting really ugly out there. It's getting ugly. And it's getting uglier. Doctrines are flying all over the place. False teachings are all over the place. Elevating man, deifying man. And you might say, here you go talking about these things again. I will talk about these things because that's what's happening today. And someone needs to warn. We need to warn people. Then number four, the book of public works. Mark sixteen twenty seven. Jesus said, what is done in darkness shall be seen. What? What is done in darkness. What's done. What you do, it's going to be revealed in the light. God's gonna God's gonna judge that. It's all recorded. Hebrews 9:27 says what? Are you ready for this one? Oh, it is appointed, appointed. God appoints. He's in control. He knows how long you're going to live. He knows when you're going to die. It is appointed unto man once to die. That's the physical death. All of us will die once. These people we're talking about in the great throne judgment are going to die twice. It is appointed unto man once to die and then what? Today you won't hear much about judgment today in some of these churches they don't want to even go near judgment because if I'm going to be judged then I got to think about things and I don't want I, I, I to think about it too much because I don't want to feel bad and you know I've come to church to feel good so this church preaches good stuff so I'm going to go enter into this hot tub Christianity where I get goosebumps and good feelings because I feel good in this place because I don't have to examine myself because I'm good do you see what I'm saying? that's false but these are the churches that are exploding. Oh, by the way, you want to see all these pews filled? You want to see them? I, 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 I can do it. I, I tell you, I, from next week, I can start preaching a different gospel. I guarantee you in one month or two, this place will be packed. No COVID excuse either that's just for free I don't know who got that. That, somebody, that somebody can get it no no excuse with COVID no 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 no, no. you'll be here you'll be here I'm telling you the truth folks but I, I, I can't do that I'll be doing a disservice to God and to you and to myself The point is, God will have so much evidence at His disposal that every mouth will be stopped, and they will be without any excuse. Finally, the book of life, the final book. This is mentioned many, many, many times in the Bible: Exodus 32, 32 to 50, thirty-three; Psalm sixty-nine, twenty-eight; Daniel 12, 1, Philippians four, three; Revelation three, five; Revelation thirteen, eight; Revelation seventeen, eight; and Revelation twenty-one, twenty-seven, and Revelation twenty-two, nineteen. Just for some. Just a few. The book of life. Over and over and over and over and over again. The book of life. The question is, and the big question is, are you ready for the big question? I get asked this many times. The question is, is it possible for a Christian to have his or her name blotted out of this book? Ah! So. I got a book of life there, so can I be in the book of life, and then somehow no longer in the book of life? Is is that possible? And of course there's been many views on this, and I'm not going to go into any church history, I'm not going to spend any time talking about Calvinism, or Arminianism, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to say what the Bible says, okay? Period. So, so is it possible to be blotted out of this book? Show of hands. How many say yes? Let me see your hands. Nice. How many say no? Okay, so we have a few unbelievers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just having... <happy. laughs> I'm just joking, please. Let's, I, I, want, I want honesty, okay? Because I used to believe that too. So I want honesty, alright? Anybody else? I guess I've got to put my foot out. But, mouth, but... but is there any way that your name be blotted out is it possible well let's see what the Bible says let's see what the Bible says important now let's give you a bit of a backdrop I told you might be 35 seconds longer than normal maybe 37 seconds I'm not sure but is it possible well in Roman and Greek practices of that day this is the Roman and Greco practices of the day of Jesus when he lived during that time every city every city Check it for yourselves, especially in the book of Revelation. How many churches were there in Revelation? Ephesus? Smyrna? Thessalonica, no. This is the book of Revelation. Okay, Smyrna, there's Thyatira, there's Pergamos, come on, now Laodicea, there's Sardis. Okay, each one of those churches and cities had a registry, okay, among other cities. They had one in Thessaloniki too. Brother Walden. They all had these registries. And people's names were in there. They had this book that contained every person's name that was born in that city. So if you were born in Ephesus during that time, your name would be put in that book automatically. Okay? You got that so far? Good. And the cities would do this. Now, here's the issue. If and if it's possible and if it took place that a citizen of Ephesus or Sardis defected and committed treason against the government, if they committed treason against the government and that city and the people, their names were removed from the registry. Are y'all with me so far? Do you understand that? You might say, okay, so big deal, pastor. No, 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 stay with me. They would be blotted out. And we know that Jesus used many times illustrations with the culture of that day. Is that not true? Okay, stay with me. So their names would be blotted out and they'd no longer be called a citizen of that city. Are you with me so far? And now can you please turn to Revelation chapter 3 verse 5 and let's find out what the Bible says. So having that backdrop for your information, let's look and see what it says in Revelation chapter 3 verse number 5 he that overcomes so an overcomer must do something you don't overcome by sitting on a pew and twiddling your thumbs you overcome by how you live, correct? are we all together so far? he that overcomes, the same shall what? clothed in white remnant, okay and I will what? I will what? which means that you can that means that Jesus can blot or cannot blot, in other words by how you live determines whether he blots out or not I will not blot out the name but I will confess his name before my father and before so notice the emphasis is on overcoming if you don't overcome your name could be blotted out in other words if you're following Christ but over a period of time you start sinning, and you start doing things that are contrary and you live that way, and you live in a way that mocks God and your name will be removed from the registry folks, that's just one scripture, I've got many others but I don't have time to get into it, Did you, is, 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 does this seem clear? is there any debate about this? does this seem uh, ambiguous in any way? is it ambiguous? no, let's read it again He that overcomes, so there's a choice, you've got to overcome. He that overcomes, there's something you need to do. Not for your salvation, but for your journey. Work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Did you see that? That's what this is talking about. He that overcomes, the same. That person's going to be clothed in white. And, not only will you be clothed in white, I will not blot you out. Wow. Wow. How graphic is that? You see, this is the backdrop that forms the concepts, if you will, or the reality, if you will, of this book. And Jesus looks in the book and he sees empty spaces where their names once were. And his heart is broken. George, I want to see 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. I want to see 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3. And then I want to see 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, 3 and 4. Watch this now. I told you we we're in a bit of a Bible study, but watch this, watch this. I charge you, I charge you. This means this is a command. I'm tra- Paul is emphatic. He, I charge you. This is not, well, a uh, nice little tiptoeing through. This is a charge. Serious, it's emphatic. I charge thee. Before God. Wow, this is serious. And the Lord Jesus, who shall judge, there it is, the quick and the dead and his appearing and his kingdom, so now we confirm that Jesus is going to judge keep going preach the word, be instant season out of season, rebuke excuse me, rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine so teaching isn't just you're so wonderful, we love you and you're best. And it's also you need some correction, we all need correction for the time, look at this now, for the time will come so Paul's speaking future. He's writing to Timothy. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. And they will what? That's where the blotting out comes. They blotted themselves out. They turned their backs on God. They turned their backs on God like Demas did. Look folks, I used to believe that this can never happen, but I'm wrong. You can turn your back on God. We all can. And we see this here. Their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fable. So, the truth becomes a joke. The truth becomes a fable. They don't believe it. They make fun of it. Ah, you you take the Bible too serious, too literal. 1st Timothy chapter 4 now please verse 1 now we go to 1st Timothy we just looked at 2nd Timothy what about 1st Timothy watch this now watch this 1st Timothy now the spirit speaking notice it says in the latter days this is twice it says it now in the end times see the times we're in now in the latter times some shall what? depart depart how do you depart from something you're not in? it's impossible! that's where the blotting out comes you follow me? depart from the faith giving heed again to seducing spirits of devils let me tell you something every doctrine does not come from God even if it's in the church some of these doctrines you're hearing, some of this preaching you're hearing today it's not from God, it's from the devil I'm telling you the truth folks and I don't say that. It pains me. You know I've been preaching on this theme for a long time now because it disturbs me to see what's going on today. You're giving heed to these seducing. The spirits are seductive. This is not necessarily sexual. It's not speaking sexual. It, sedu- it seduces you spiritually you're being sucked into the vortex of seduction speaking lies and hypocrisy, having, oh there it is conscience seared there it is, the book of conscience departing from the faith, departing from the faith you can't depart from something you are not in My God, 2 Thessalonians 2 3, please. And we'll stop with right there and we move on to, we've got to close. Got to close soon. Now we're in 2 Thessalonians, please, chapter 2, verse 3. Watch this now. And again, you notice the theme of all this in the latter days. Always it talks about the latter. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come again future listen everything you see here I just read it's talking about the time we're in now except there be a falling away first that's why the millennial period will never be ushered in by the church it's impossible There'll be a falling away first and that man of sin will be revealed the son of perdition there's gonna listen before the Antichrist rises there's gonna be a falling away of the church believers you'll see empty pews are you getting it? do you see something going on here? notice except there be a falling away first and then So, so if you believe that the church is ushering in the kingdom you, not only are you wrong this scripture definitely says you're wrong because first there must be a falling away because of sin and then after that sin, a perdition, that man will rise and that's why we're getting colder and colder that's why some people you might know that started so well with Christ they don't even serve him anymore this is part of the package right here I know people like that, do you? you better believe it are we gonna see a greater increase of this a greater increase a greater increase a greater increase a falling away first a falling away first and so my brothers and my sisters all the names that are not in there very sadly will be cast into the fire no name will be added by the way on this list that day there's no name that's added did you notice there's no no names could be added it's too late because your works will be judged while you're here on earth, and I have people tell me, "Oh, pal, I'm going to wait. You know, I'll give my life to Christ later. When I got things to do, I got to enjoy my life first. Yeah, enjoy your life. What profits a man if he gains the world? Yeah, you can gain it all right, but then you—you you don't know how. You don't have your destiny in your hands. You don't know how long you're going to live. You could die tomorrow. I don't know. And you want to eat, drink, and be merry? You go ahead. But if you die tomorrow in that mindset that's gonna be a very sad moment and I'm not, listen it pains me to say this and unfortunately we don't hear much of this today we really don't ah you're old school pastor, you're just an old school preacher That's all. I'm not old school I don't think, I'm just Bible preacher, I don't know what's about old or new, I don't know about that I want to stick to the word I don't want to stick to man's philosophies and new traditions. and I don't, I don't, I don't want to stick on what's popular in Christianity. I don't, I don't want to do that. I can get lost. I, I can lose focus. And so we come to the final P. We had our place, our person, our people, our purpose, our plurality, then the punishment. The punishment. Verse 14 and 15. Where are these people going? Where do people go that reject Christ? Verse 14 and 15 in our text. Look what it says. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15. And whosoever was not found, oh my goodness, written in the book, you see you can't add your name there, was cast into the lake. How can we preach a gospel and don't want to look at this? How can we do it? How can you be honest with yourself and all you want to do is talk about heaven do you know that Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven three times more by the way and that I researched myself three times more why because his love his love love will warn love will not just put under the carpet oh you know what are they going to think of me and it's not the right time I hear this song. well you know it's not the right timing pastor of course timing is important but people justify well it's not the right because they didn't want to do it big difference if you truly love people you're going to want to tell them now you think about that I know some people laugh at you but if you really love them you're going to tell them are you with me if you really don't love them then you'll be concerned about your flesh oh what are they going to say of me that's pride that's flesh me 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 oh you know they might think I'm a little strange you know I want to get to know them first yeah get to know them for 20 years and finally you say the gospel no I'm no 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 I don't buy that punishment Matthew 25, 41 to 46 please, I'm going to close, but just before I do, Matthew 25, 41 to 46, watch this, this is so powerful, Matthew, tw- this is one of the most, scare- this is one of the most sobering scriptures, in the entire Bible, Matthew 25, 41 to 46, then shall he say also unto me, on the left, there'll be the people, the goats, and the, and the sheep, on the left hand, depart from me, these are these, Goats. Those that appeared to be like sheep, but they were goats. You cursed into everlasting... Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. He calls cursed to everlasting... How can you justify this scripture? Well, there's no hell, they tell you. Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting. That's eternal. Fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they'll tell you, But pastor, you see, devil and his angels. No, he's speaking to the people. He's telling them you're going there. Are you with me? He's not saying the devil's only going there. He's not saying just his angels. He's speaking about you or me or anyone who who, who has a false relationship with Christ. Then shall he say also unto them. On the left hand, depart from me ye cursed angels into everlasting fire apart from the devil and his angels verse 42 keep going for I was hungry and you gave me no meat okay I was thirsty and you gave me no drink alright I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me sick in prison and you visited me not okay then shall they also answer him but Lord we never saw you hungry you weren't there I didn't see you you were not naked you were not this you were not there I never saw you there you were not in prison did not minister unto thee then shall he answer them say verily I say unto you inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these you did it not unto me in other words your motives were all wrong you never really cared for people now there's some people now Jesus now in Matthew 7. Can we go to Matthew 7 please? Let's begin at verse, a little bit of a teaching on this scripture. Matthew 7, 21. Here we see the opposite. Watch the opposite. Matthew 7, 21, which is a cousin of this scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Do you have that there? Not everyone that say to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, really? But... Not everyone that says he's a Christian. Oh, here we go. Not everyone who claims to be me to be Lord. Okay. Not everyone who says that I know God. Mm-hmm. Not everyone who says Lord, 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 Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father who doeth, doeth, doeth according to your works. Be it unto you. Doeth, 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 doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Keep going. Many, many will say to me, when, when on that future judgment, that's what we're talking about today have we not prophesied, I was in church pastor and, and, and I prophesied I gave this, I waxed eloquent and all oh, the people have we not prophesied in your name and in thy name have we not cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works didn't we do that and then I will profess to them I never knew you, depart From me, ye workers of iniquity. Keep going. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and do with them, I will liken unto him a wise man. Depart from me. Boy. Yeah, you don't want to preach this stuff today, do you? Pastor, you mean it they're gonna shut you down. Let them shut me down. Let them shut you down. The truth is the truth. And truth sounds like hate when you hate the truth. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes shall not perish. Perish from what? (laughs) But have everlasting. See again, the contrast between perishing and everlasting. And so, friends, the people that go before the throne of God, God will show this book. And God will reveal to these people at judgment how many times they fail to heed His word. They fail to succumb to their conscience. And God will scan the pages with His nails, scarred hands, search and search, and their names will not be there. And Jesus will say with pain depart from me depart from me romans 118 depart from me romans 118 i've quoted this several times already not today last week romans 118 what does it say for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You have the truth, you know the truth, but you're not living up to it. Unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him, of the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And then it says, God revealed himself, and they began to worship God, but they ended up worshiping the creation more so than the Creator. You know, people that create worship the creation. New Age philosophers and teachers—they worship Mother Earth. You hear somebody talking about Mother Earth? Turn around. Preach to them, give them the gospel, then turn around. Mother Earth, crystals, and paganism and witchcraft and New Age. This is what these people ended up worshiping—the Earth. Here's what's going on here. Rejected God. They turned from God. For the invisible things are seen from creation are clearly seen. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful. Thanklessness is another characteristic of the days in which we live in. People are so thankless today. They're just so thankless. Have you ever thought that one of the signs of the end times is thanklessness it's an epidemic people are so negative thankless but become vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts are darkened professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God and the image like a corruptible man birds four-footed beasts creepy things Hinduism what is Hinduism? They worship animals. Elephants. Cows. Cows have more rights than human beings in India. Wherefore God has given them up into the uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts. Dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God in a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who was blessed forever? For this cur- for this cause, God gave them up. God gave them up for this cause, for these actions, for this defiance, for this barbarity. God's going to bring a calamitous situation. He gave them up. Think about it. He g- God gave them up. Yeah, this is not the devil. This is God gave them up. God said, "You want to mock me? You want to do this over and over?" again, I've extended my love, I've reached out. you kept doing this over and over again, so God gave them up God gave them up, God gave them up God caused them up affections. What affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature? And men leaving the natural use of a woman, burning in the lust of one towards another man. I can't. I can't. I can I can't even grasp it. I'm sick and tired of this. People all over the place. All you see today is is this militant homosexual spirit that's running rampant on television, in our schools, uh, in our nation. Everybody's on this bandwagon, but it's not a bandwagon it's exactly what happens when you defy God yes. if I see one more commercial about drag queens I think I'm just going to throw my TV out I'm sick of it everyone drag queen coming on with. What, 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 what. I'm sick of it they're trying to push this agenda on our children making them think it gets normal and I've said this and now there's drag queen preachers out there. Did you know that? Did you Google Pentecost or Pennycost, P-E-N-N-Y, cost. The audacity to equate her name with the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell. And she's going around preaching, telling people don't to be conformed to this world. Misquoting Romans 12. In other words, don't succumb to peer pressure. Be who you are. Gay, be proud of it that's what these preachers are preaching (sighs) I said I was going to close here's where I need the 35 seconds so friends do we not see the severity of this thing is there something that you can do yes there is do we not see the severity of this problem is there something that you can do yes there is there's something we can do that's more than just sitting in a pew. I'm glad you're in the pew, but there's more than you can do than just sitting in this pew. You've got to sound the alarm. What do you think Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 12, 11? He said, knowing, knowing the Greek word means now that I fully understand. Knowing therefore the love of God? No. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord? don't get me wrong, love is always the key, don't get me wrong, but when all you do is focus on love, you lose the balance, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what we persuade men, oh but pastor, I don't, I don't talk very nice, I, I stutter, and you know, I can't do that, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nice person, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I don't want to offend them, stop it! Just stop making excuses. Do you love God? Do you love people? If you do, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Get over those insecurities. These things are what are going to rob others from hearing the truth. We persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. There's that word conscious again. Can I do something? Yeah. I can let people know. Oh, but Pastor, they're going to reject me. So what? They rejected Christ? Don't accept to be friends with everybody, friend. Listen, listen. You're going to preach the truth, don't, don't think the world's going to love you. So if you're going around trying to be loved by everybody, you might as well not serve Jesus because it won't work. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17, Ezekiel 3, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman in the house of Israel, therefore hear the word of my mouth, and give give them warning, 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 warning from, from what, from what, warning from what, verse 18, from when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from the wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, they're going to die in sin, ah, but his blood, oh this, this used to scare me, and I don't use that word lightly, but his blood, will be required to turn, folks, how many of you work, in environment, oh but you know pastor I'm not allowed to speak about Jesus and so you're cool with that and you don't say a word because you're scared let me tell you something there's a ways around it if you really care God will give you opportunities to share with that person don't make any excuses stop lying to yourself that's just justifying your lack of desire of wanting to share the word there are people that are with people over and over again and they still don't tell them about Jesus I gotta ask you why maybe you don't care enough I don't know, when I got saved, man, maybe, I don't know, maybe I lost my mind, I'm not sure, but when I got saved, I wanted the whole world to know. My family were the first, and they, they, they my, some of my family members hated me, you know my story, I'm like, kicked me out of their house, one of them, they, listen, if you love people, you are going to want to warn them. Are you a parent? Do you not warn your children, be careful when you cross the street, or... Do you not warn them? Make sure you don't talk to strangers and go into... Of course you warn them. Why? Because you love your children. Why can't you do that about the souls of men? I'm gonna be accountable for the people I know. I'm gonna be accountable my family, my neighbors, I am. Those I work with because God placed me there for a reason. And he didn't place me there for a reason, just to make money. Amen. Or just to buy a house, and that's where I live. And there are neighbors around there. are people. God has placed you people 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 there's something i can do there's something i can do did not jude say in verse 23 having compassion snatching them out of the fire having comp see that's what the compassion is that's compassion you're doing your best to warn them to snatch them out of the fire you're doing it might not happen but you're warning them anyway because god gives the increase you can't snatch them out forcefully but you can share and share and god does the work but you see your responsibility is to warn and I've I've given you the two W's over and over again. We warn, but God woos. And as long as we warn, as long as we tell the truth, I believe God's gonna woo. And so we are also wooed. And because we are wooed, we warn. It goes both ways. (sighs) True story. In Illinois... Three girls went missing this was a few years ago. Three young girls, teenagers, one was preteen. And like every city or community, especially communities, they went to crazy to try to find this these girls that were missing and went on and on, billboards, this and that. They got a search party. They got a search party, and they went into the woods. There was a wood to find these girls, and they went searching and searching and searching and searching and searching. Three days later, they found two girls. They were alive. They brought them back. Parents there, they were all ecstatic. They couldn't believe it. And the searchers said, "Well, we found two out of three. That isn't too bad, is it?" and the people that were there and the police that were there they said two out of three what if that one person that you didn't find was your, your daughter would you be satisfied with two out of three what if that one is your sister your brother your mother your father who's lost are you satisfied with two out of three Jesus said go into all the world and preach the greatest expression of love my friend is not when people love you the greatest expression of love is to share the word of God to warn people there's nothing greater than that because you bring someone out of the fires that's the greatest expression So a tough one today. It's a tough one because it doesn't appeal to the flesh at all. It's 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 uh, it's something that it's hard to grasp. brothers and sisters when you became a Christian you automatically enrolled yourself in God's army and in that army he's got soldiers you are a soldier Paul says and we're in a battle our battles not carnal it's spiritual there are souls out there that are lost and going to hell the problem is we don't believe that as much anymore do you know that the average Christian the average Christian does not witness and has not won a soul. If that Christian's been saved for 20 years, just give has not won one soul in the last 20 years. Now, that is, to me, almost, this is the average, okay? The average. Now you think about that. That tells me that you just come to church and just want to be fed. We have a, have a 95% of all Christians do not evangelize. That's 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 a fact. 95% of all Christians do not evangelize. Barna Institute. Granted, this was taken 20 years ago, but I think it's even worse now. We're too fearful. The fire isn't burning. Because you see, when the fire's burning, like the man, the leper that went ablaze to tell people who healed him, so will you, so will I. But if there's no fire, there's no desire. Why do you think we pray for revival so much? Why? Because when we get revived, God's fire hits you, you will never be the same again. And the first response to receiving fire is to share that fire. When was the last time you led someone to Jesus Christ? rhetorical question I ask again when was the last time you've had enough compassion to lead someone to Jesus Christ (laughs) let's all stand together